Hi everyone, welcome back to Advantage Podcast. Today on my podcast I have Jared Bones. Um, give us a little bit of background detail about yourself, where you played. I know we're teammates, we were teammates. Um, so just kind of give us a bit of background detail about yourself, Jared. Sure. Yeah, from uh, originally from uh, Ipswich in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. played my my collegiate tennis obsolete at University of North Georgia for for five years. Took my uh, extra COVID year, nice. and uh, yeah, been playing tennis since the age of about four years old, and uh, you know, competing around the UK and a little bit in Europe prior to coming to to college. Oh, nice, nice. Um, so I know you kind of coach a little bit of tennis at the moment. Um. What's your position in your club at the moment? Can you give us a bit of detail about that as well? Sure, yeah. So currently I'm a junior tennis director. Um, So I'm sort of branching between, you know, a lot of off-court duties, um, you know, a bit of event planning Mm -hmm. and, you know, just obviously on-court coaching, sort of, you know, working with different ages all the way from really five years old up to about 65 years old. You know, we're building a high-performance program there slowly. I started there about two months ago. So it's just taking a bit of time. But prior to that, I was working at uh, Wimbledon Lake Club in Alpharetta, mm-hmm. uh, Georgia. And yeah, I was a high performance coach there working with the academy and sort of young ages between 10 to 10 to 14 years old of the very talented kids, you know, in that green ball, yellow ball stage. So, yeah, I've been pretty much straight tennis since um, since college. Oh, nice, nice. So what would be the first thing you say to to your player to kind of, um who might be aspiring to go to college what what would you tell them like the biggest or key key factors to to becoming successful as a college athlete the the first thing really that i tell my players if they want to get you know serious into tennis is Mm -hmm. you know hard work always overcomes talent yeah Uh, you know i've seen it a lot a lot through my my career you know talented players talented young guys but just didn't have that hard working mindset and sort of fell off you know um towards the latter years in that 15 to 18 range yeah um when you know we all start to catch up physically mm-hmm. and you know i've just always seen that in the end hard work always always beats talent yeah well, fair enough and what would you say is your biggest asset to your success as a college athlete as well uh, big assets, you know, involve, um, you know, good, good leadership skills. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I like to think in my, in my last year, you know, I portrayed a good sort of lead, lead, co-leadership role with, a, you know, a few other players in our, in our team. Yeah. Um, it's important to, to be able to work in a team environment. You know, you mm-hmm. always need to put the team's needs and goals really before yours. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much what's helped me be, you know, successful in, in that tennis career is, you know, helping others and just putting others first um, and then putting your needs sort of after the teams because that's what you need to do. You need to make sacrifices to, to, to work in a team environment. Ah, nice. And do you think that's translated with, like, your professional career as well? Um, kind of putting, like, members' needs before yours as well? Or has it kind of been with like the team you work with as well? Has there been like good chemistry with all of you? Yeah, so um, there there have definitely been circumstances. You, you hear it in, in yeah. have to always say that the, the customer's always right. You know, there definitely yeah. has been situations where I've had to 
explain to either a player's parent or the player themselves that they are wrong just so that mm-hmm. they know their place. Because mm-hmm. um, there are some players and, uh, sorry, parents out there who, you know, some do think they can do a tennis coach's job. And that's, you know, that's definitely not the case. Yeah. They're a tennis coach themselves or have played to a high level. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely been one one factor is is overcoming that small obstacle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a very small obstacle in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But you know, definitely being authoritative, but, uh, you know, having a lot of patience is also key. Oh, yeah, no, I I know we kind of, we were teammates for what, pretty much four, four and a half, five years. Um, yeah. So, like, there there are different roles that people play. Um, and I know yours was more kind of making sure everyone felt connected and, like, we we would do off-court events with, or, like, activities with, some team members because others couldn't be there but it kind of brought the team together so I thought you did that remarkably well and I think that's also one of the key parts of our success our last year because I think we what got to was it seven in the nation I think yes yeah, seven um, in the nation for my for my last year yeah yeah my highest, uh, highest ranking until that point yeah um and I know well I know this because I was your your teammate as well. Um, like dietary requirements, and I've already had someone on the podcast to talk about nutrition. But you kind of, I think you want to mention like your celiac disease and how was it kind of playing with that and kind of combating it a little bit in terms of going to America where they might not be so accommodating and. How did you deal with all that kind of situation? Sure, yeah. I won't try to give you a life story on it, but yeah. also the, the basics, you know, I was diagnosed with what we call celiac disease at mm-hmm. uh, 16 years of age. Mm-hmm. I had sort of the rare form, which is called dermatitis hepatiformis, just basically whenever gluten got into my uh, system, mm-hmm. it was causing, you know, not very nice uh, rashes, um, itchy spots on my skin, but... Um, and also stomach cramps, which is the, the, the common sort of symptom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the adjustment was, it was actually easier than I thought it was going to be because within one, two weeks of going onto my diet, all of those symptoms went away, the cramps, the rashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was feeling very lethargic at times. And it just helped me become more energetic, I would say, all around. Yeah. Uh, definitely on court I felt as I wasn't getting tired as fast and not only did it help me cut down on my my body percent fat but it helped me get a lot more lean as well yeah you know got helped me you know put on some some muscle and you know just be in good shape for for that 17 18 years of age and, and turning into college mm. and obviously coming over to the USA I'd only been gluten-free for about two years so it was quite I was a little nervous you know I'd never been to the states in my life before coming yeah. over to the um flying over there yeah and going to you know a, I would say medium-sized division two college you know coach had given me reassurances that the the our chow hall the cafeteria was able to um accommodate my, my dietary needs mm-hmm. and it was certainly a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. You know, the only struggles were sometimes eating on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one little small story. Of, remember that time we went to Schlotsky's? Yeah. A sandwich, <laughs> sandwich place where the, 
the um, person serving us told us they had gluten-free bread, and it turns out they just gave me regular bread. And let's just say that bus trip wasn't the wasn't the best for me. No, um, no. But, but other than that incident, it's been very an easy transition. It's become more known year mm-hmm. by year to the point where it's very. I feel very comfortable eating out, going to sandwich places, and yeah, no, the, the diet is not as bad as what some people may think you know it really does cut out a lot of bad food as well a lot of junk food oh that's good that's good um and did you kind of in terms of like diet diet and stuff was there anything that you kind of put into your diet a little bit more because you weren't getting so much with other things as well or was it mainly um kind of just cutting out the gluten and 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 all of that kind of stuff and that kind of helped you perform a little bit better yeah well you know with the with the diet naturally you're going to be getting uh, less less iron and Mm -hmm. uh, calcium in your diet Mm -hmm. so i did have to take some i still to still do to this day some nutritional supplements Um, you know i take um calcium and sort of iron boost is very very small milligrams but you know it just helps me maintain my levels but i make sure that i'm you know obviously intaking lots of uh, calcium based foods from dairy um and you know just making sure i keep on top of everything but you know that transition wasn't that bad and you don't really lose too many things just definitely calcium and iron were the two things that i i, I tried to maintain okay okay um and with like all the um, like work you do with the players who are 10 to 14, 15 to 18 um, and kind of what's that mental aspect that you try to implement in, in those kids or that you learned through your tennis career? What was the like maybe mental kind of notes or, or key information that you would provide a player with? Um, that you're coaching and maybe for yourself as well sure so i mean as you know i was a psychology degree in mm-hmm. uh, at ung and you know yeah. have plans to going, going through right now the application process for my master's in in sports psychology mm-hmm. um you know really the mental side of tennis became more known to me I would say in the last two, three years of my of my collegiate career, especially in my mm-hmm. last year, to the point where I was actually speaking to a sports psychologist myself for some issues I was having on court. Now, okay. there wasn't really access to these resources, I would say, growing up as a junior. Yeah. Uh, definitely at this, you know, top D2 level, there was, it wasn't easy to access this. You know, I had to get professor favors and you know coach had to help me out finding mm-hmm. someone so it wasn't it wasn't an easy scenario but once i had that sort of mental training sessions it, it really helped me feel more confident on court you know i don't want to dive into the specifics of that yeah but you know helping me overcome a bit of a, a forehand confidence issue where i wasn't hitting through it just some simple techniques tricks other things to focus on to get your mind away from those negative thoughts were just a real sort of simple miracle work for my my mental game oh good and you know i try to translate that into my, my teaching as well a lot of it is mental based yeah you know, i have a, a small clientele of mental clients that i do mental training sessions with all mm-hmm. aged between sort of 11 to, to 17 years old mm-hmm. uh, based around the usa and 
I teach it to all the players that I coach in um, Georgia as well at Ace Tennis Academy where I work at Glen Abbey. You know, I just teach them basic things like putting the racket into the left hand because, you know, it's going to not tempt them to throw it. You know, it's a less dominant and also rest their, their playing arm. You know, just sort of mm-hmm. small tips yeah. like that that the young age can can understand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much part of my work as well is a lot of the mental side because you know a lot of people argue that the sport is 80 percent mental and 20 percent physical and i definitely definitely accept that statement <laughs> yeah no i i would totally agree um as well as you know i've mentioned on um i think it was on my podcast on on myself as well that i had these yips on my serve as you know having mm-hmm. played played me multiple times you you know they're kind of more stress induced and it is about finding those little things that can kind of I don't know calm you down lower your heart rate kind of get you to think a little bit more clearly than you would do when you're kind of in that state of stress or or negative thoughts as as you mentioned earlier um and do you, <clears throat> do you think it's a good thing to teach um, eleven to eighteen year olds, um, like little mental training sessions. Do you think have you seen results with the people you've been working with? Have they drastically improved, or has there been kind of a bit more of a slower process, and you'll probably see the results later on? Yeah, so it it varies mm-hmm. client by client, obviously. Yeah. Um, definitely the younger ones, you do have to dumb down what sports psychology is. Cause really at that age, there is only so much they can understand. Mm-hmm. Whereas obviously the things that I would say to an 11 year old, I wouldn't really be saying to a 17 year old, you know, because they're more sophisticated, have more experience and more knowledge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to sort of answer that question, it is very clientele based, but mm-hmm. you know, I have noticed improvements in all five players that I, I work on the the mental side with, you know, um, acting as their, as their mental coach, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's a lot of it's data and statistical analysis as well. You know, I will go and watch a player play mm-hmm. and, you know, I will note down the amount of like, um, positive and negative reactions they would have after a point, you know, along yeah. with all of the uh, statistical stuff, you know, unforced errors, errors, etc. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just looking at that sort of small details, you know, it's adding a lot of value to the work that I can do. Cause I was working with one player and I told him every time you had a negative reaction in the previous point, mm-hmm. you were already 60 60- more likely to lose the next point based off of all the positive and negative reaction that he was was having during the match so Mm -hmm. just providing them with details like that just really helps them think from a different point of view which i think really at any age is is very important and i think we should be teaching it at at a younger age but you know dumbing it down for that definitely between that 11 to 15 year old range and you can start to get more complex uh from 16 onwards but you know i'm I'm no expert yet but i plan to be yeah no absolutely and i'm glad you're you're trying to pursue that as well um coming back to your kind of collegiate career what was it what was important for you in a culture i know our culture changed from 
the first year I was there. Maybe it changed from the first year you were there as well. And what changed? What do you think worked well? And what was important to like for you to implement in in a culture at, at a college, college level? Sure. Yeah. It's it was important to have sort of core team values. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, core team goals that we were all all striving towards. And, you know, I definitely think the, the relationship with, with the coach helps, you know, yeah. obviously within a team, some players are going to get along better with the, with the coach than others. Cause you know, mm-hmm. sometimes a particular coaching style isn't for everyone. You know, some might prefer mm-hmm. authoritative, some might prefer laissez-faire, you know, a little more relaxed yeah. on the player. But as long as you have a group of guys who are all going for the same, core value and core goal that you said at the start of the season mm-hmm. then i think you're on for a great uh, a great semester and um year and like we mentioned earlier doing the off-court stuff is is important you know yeah, simpler no, when we would get together and, and go for a, a group coffee before we uh, we played yeah no, not even all of us would drink coffee you know some people didn't like to before they played but just getting together having a chat and just, you know, having some banter with everyone. I think it's just those small details. I think the 1% is really do make the difference in that sort of um, situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I can remember um, it was towards the end of both yours and my kind of collegiate career. We would always meet up before like the matches, as you were saying, and then like even post matches, we'd kind of come together have like a nice team meal, um, yeah. enjoy kind of like our time together. And I just think it was probably the things that kind of made us click even off court. Cause I know doubles is so, so key in college tennis as well, that you can actually build rapport with, with your, your teammate off the court that actually translate onto the court. Um, I don't know if there was anyone in particular with you that that happened um but i know that that kind of happened for me towards the end like you um i think we kind of gelled quite well off court and then on court sometimes it 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 gelled pretty well but some others not so much um yeah yeah it's definitely player player by player you know there were there were guys that i got got on really well off court with but you know Mm. when it comes to to doubles chemistry sometimes it wasn't there and there was also a scenario where i wasn't that close with a, a guy off court and we had pretty pretty solid on court uh, doubles chemistry you know it's all it's yeah. all circumstantial but you know like i said as long as as long as you've got those core team values that everyone's striving for i, I don't think much can go wrong and uh, as you well know strong leadership is is a, is a key factor as well yeah no, absolutely you know, ha- having either one guy or you know for example, three guys who have different sort of leadership roles. Uh, I think it just works well together, or it definitely did, and definitely my first, my freshman year, and definitely my my very last year. And that was when I felt the teams were the closest on and yeah. off the court. Yeah, no, I, I I do agree. Like I noticed even my first year, how much it changed towards our last year was. actually quite phenomenal um in a way (laughs) for sure yeah and so how has kind of tennis impacted you 
professionally i know you're kind of talking about like doing your masters in sports psychology you're kind of coaching already at quite a high level what would be your kind of ambitions in your professional career those kind of helped you with tennis um to kind of get where you are today already yeah so my, my sort of i guess my ideal career goal would to be a mental performance consultant um okay. mental performance coach mm-hmm. so you know to work with definitely i would like to stay in the tennis industry but yeah there are definitely i think down the line i would like to branch into more sports that i've either followed or played at a younger age okay. um, but i i definitely do prefer focusing on more individual sports mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know i definitely can help at a small team level in a in a collegiate team uh, a goal of mine maybe one day to work with a with a team um whether that's you know in in, in europe or any anywhere anywhere in the world really yeah. so um yeah but you know tennis definitely taught me a lot of patience and yeah. that's something you need to have i think in in almost any industry but particularly in the the coaching industry and in the the, the mental performance world Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you're going to be listening to people's problems on court and, you know, letting them explain things and then trying to problem solve and help them figure out ways to overcome any, any issues they might be having. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've, I think we both had issues on court and off court that kind of translate onto maybe trainings and stuff. And it's all always kind of, I find it's quite good to compartmentalize. So, break break things down and then kind of work from there um 100% and you know the sport definitely helped me set a structure in my life and a routine yeah. you know it uh, improve it improves small things like being punctual you know mm. small things like that go a long way yeah, and you know just absolutely. just days planned and being organized you know the tennis schedule that we had the practices the weights in mm-hmm. the morning classes and anything mm-hmm. any other events that we had it just it helped you, like you said, compartmentalize and organize your day. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and this is my favorite question of all. Um, what What was your favorite memory on a tennis court? Could be from when you first started, could be at college, could be a loss you've had. So the floor is yours in terms of the the mem- favorite memory you've, you've had. Sure. So... I guess I'll first start with maybe a heartbreaking memory because, you know, mm-hmm. this happened in the sport that are very commonly. And that was in, yeah. my, in my year when we lost to Columbus uh, 5-4. We were playing the old style then, so 4-3 to, to, to modern, uh, modern D2, one in tennis now. Yeah. After having, you know, match points in when I was playing doubles and, mm. you know, losing that game and then one of my teammates being up in the third set and then cramping and ending up losing mainly because of the physicality of the match. Mm-hmm. That was sort of a, a real heartbreaker right there. But, you know, we bounced back after that, which was, which was great and had some good wins after, but that was tough because that was the closest we ever came to beating, you know, the num- arguably the number one, two team in, in the nation solidly for our whole career there in division two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no. So, yeah. Uh- and, and, um, Definitely my, my personal uh, memory 
you know, I had quite a lot through my juniors, uh, for, for team, for my county and region, but I think, you know, definitely clinching against, uh, Georgia college in my, uh, junior year. That was my first sort of clinch you would say mm-hmm. from from singles when the score was really tight against a good team could have gone yeah. either way and you know coming through that match in the third set was just you know a real uh mental uh uplift for myself yeah and definitely the 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 memory that will always i'll always treasure was when we beat lander in uh in my last year yeah no absolutely at, at uh, regionals yeah you know, beating them on, on home courts after never beating them in program history. Mm-hmm. And to be a part of that and experience that feeling of finally overcoming a goal that we'd always had since my freshman year, yeah. it was one of the best feelings ever. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with you there. That was, um, that was quite, quite a um, heartwarming moment. I, I remember all of us kind of got into our locker room and then just started going crazy afterwards um um, and that i i think we'll all cherish all 10 of us will cherish for a whole lifetime um and emotions were flying after that match from from coach and the coaches and uh, and all the players Um, yeah special special moment yeah something that i'll 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 take with me for the rest of my life Yeah, yeah definitely um and in terms of like where you're wanting to go um with tennis is it kind of just something you want to do in terms of like when you get older like as on a consistent basis or will you kind of put down the racket at one point in time um you know i i enjoy coaching mm-hmm. uh you know I, I love being out there i'm not the sort of guy who's gonna sit behind a desk for eight nine hours a day yeah I like to be outside and, and doing things, but you know, it's not something I, I want to do my whole life. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I want to explore my, my sports psychology more mm-hmm. and, you know, to be in a scenario where I can do 80, 90%, you know, of my, of my career being a, a mental coach, yeah, sort of maybe 10, 20% of doing some on court stuff with some, you know, some players who are, who mean a lot to me, you know, who are high level and, uh, you know, want to, want to strive and do more. But I think it will always be a part of me. I, I don't think I'll ever hang up my racket ever. <laughs> but, no. Um, no. I definitely want to explore more, more tennis psychology compared to tennis coaching. That's for sure. Okay. Okay. Well, nice, nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for all your great insight and kind of advice for aspiring players and, all of that it's it's really quite interesting and you kind of dealt with various things throughout throughout your kind of tennis career as well so thank you for the amazing info you've given on on my podcast of course Ple- pleasure to be on timmy great uh, great speaking with you and um yeah and catching up as well yeah no absolutely thank you